Masechet Yevamot, Daf Lamed Bet. Pretty straightforward Mishnah. Shene Achim Nisuin Shte Achayot. Two brothers married to two sisters. Umet Echad Mehen, and one of the brothers died. So this is a regular case of Yibum. And so we know the answer will be that she goes free, right? Two brothers married to two sisters, and Shimon uh, dies. Uh, so that's it. So uh, Chogla is a sister-in-law. She's prohibited. She's Alva, and she can go free to the market. But here is the catch in this case. If afterwards Milka dies, that's the Yavam's wife. At this point, when she when he dies, so they are no longer sisters. So you might think that, oh, maybe now Ruven must go and perform Yibum with Chogla, that now there is a now the Zika reappears somehow. We say no, that is not true. Because once forbidden, always forbidden, a rule we've seen already. Once Ruven is prohibited to Chogla because she is a his wife's sister, then she goes free and you never the Zika never comes back. All right, so this is a pretty obvious case that uh, we've seen iterations before. And so the Gemara asks, Peshita hashta umahatam de la midachya mehai beta legamre. Amart la hacha de kamidachya mehai beta legamre lokol sheken. So this is obvious from a previous case that we saw in this pedic regarding three brothers. And in that case, it was more complicated and actually a bigger chidush. As, so if you remember here, we had also two brothers married to two sisters, and Shimon dies. And so now, at this point, Leah is forbidden to Reuven, because that's his wife's sister. If subsequently Rachel dies, and so now she that is no longer his wife's sister, nevertheless, Reuven may not perform Yibum with Leah, because we saw there, once prohibited, always prohibited. So we know that already. And in this case, is a bigger chidush because in this case, Le'ah did not go free. Le'ah is still bound to someone in the family, to Levi, uh, because he is not related. So uh, there is a zikah there. So in a case where Le'ah is still bound to one of the brothers and did not, does not go free, and yet even there we say, though Rachel dies, Ruven, once prohibited, always prohibited, then for sure in the case of two brothers where uh, they are related, Shimon dies, and that's a sister-in-law, and then she goes free to the Shuk, and that's out of the family, for sure you would not say when Milka dies that Ruven has a Zika to a Chogala. Uh, so that's the question. Um, all right, all the more so in this case where they, uh, she is uh, out of the household altogether and not connected to any of the brothers when there's only two. And so we answer. Tana ha tana beresha v'hach chazia lehetera v'sharia. Originally, the author of our Mishnah, the reciter, had only our Mishnah here with two. And that other Mishnah with three brothers thought that that was permitted. They thought that because there are three brothers, and she's still within the family, still has a zikah to one of the brothers, so then, if Rachel would die, then he can go to her. Uh, and then the Tana thought about it some more and changed his mind and said, you know what, in the case of three brothers also, we're going to prohibit. And since this chidush was uh, beloved to him, anytime you have a new chidush and you think of a new thing, you say, oh, I really appreciate that. So therefore, uh, he put it first and taught it first. 
And once it's in that order, that's it. We don't change the order. So really, logically, it would, make, it would have made more sense to have our Mishnah first with two brothers and then give the next Chidush, it's even true with three brothers. But because uh, it was uh, formed uh, out of order, we remain out of order. And it's true. This case is obvious once we know the previous case. Good. Tenor Rabbanan. Ba aleha, chayav aleha, mishum eshet ach, u mishum achot isha, dibre rabbi yoseh. Let's say we have a case like this. And this time Milka doesn't die. A simpler case. Uh, Reuven and Shimon, brothers, are married to two sisters, and Shimon dies. And so this is prohibited for Reuven to take hogla. Why is it prohibited? For two reasons. Number one, it's his brother's wife. And number two, it's his wife's sister. And so because there are two prohibitions, uh, the Bioseh says he is liable on both counts. Uh, now, if you do this on purpose with witnesses, then there's to get the death penalty. You can't die twice, but this would make a difference. For example, if he does it by mistake, he doesn't know who it is. He doesn't know it's not allowed. And then he brings a Korban Hatat. He'd have to bring two, um, two Korban Hatats, according to the Bioseh. Rabbi Shimon disagrees. He says, Omer, he says, Rabbi Shimon says, no, only one count, only because it's his brother's wife. All right. But now we have another Braita. Another Braita says, according to Rabbi Shimon, this Braita agrees. He's only liable to one count, but it chooses the other prohibition of his wife's sister. Uh, so now this is curious. Which one is it? Which one did the Bishimon say? And why would he say one and not the other? Uh, how did he choose which one to uh, say is the prohibition? And we answer, The second Baraita says it's because of wife's sister. Well, that's where the living brother, the one that will stay alive, gets married to his wife first. And only then the one that will die gets married. Uh, so in that case, Reuven married first. And so at the point that he gets married, Shimon is still single. So uh, Hogla is his wife's sister. So that prohibition uh, starts, is the first one to apply. And then later when Shimon gets married and she becomes uh, his, his, uh, she becomes his brother's wife, well, the, she is already prohibited as his wife's sister. And so therefore, we only apply the first one, right? The first layer, the first prohibition comes, and that's it, not the second one. So that's uh, where, he, where he gets married first, and when, that's when you would have the wife's sister. On the other hand, if Shimon gets married first, at the point that he gets married, Reuven is single, but is still his brother's wife, so he, Reuven is still prohibited to Hogla. And then when later Reuven gets married to Hogla's sister, then uh, would be a second prohibition of wife's uh, uh, sister, uh, wife's sister, but the second prohibition does not apply on top of the first, and therefore there's only one. So depending on who gets married first, that will make a difference between these two, but I thought. So they're not actually in contradiction, right? is the first Braita. Okay, good. Now we have a question. In the second case that you just said, where the one who will be, dece will, will be deceased uh, had married first, and then the one that will remain alive. In that case, it's the brother, it's his brother's wife, that's the only prohibition that we have. 
and when he marries, when Reuven marries, and becomes the wife's sister, that prohibition does not apply. So all we're left with is one prohibition of brother's wife, and that's a classic case of yibum. Let him go ahead and do yibum, right? So once again, we have here, uh, Shimon got married first, so this is brother's wife, and the next prohibition does not apply, so we don't care about the fact that they are sisters, and he's married to one of them. He dies, so the regular case of Yibum overrides brother's wife, and therefore let him go ahead and do Yibum, according to you to be Shimon, who, say only, who says only one applies. Answer, You're right, although it does not apply now, it's hanging in the air. And if, for whatever, whatever reason, the prohibition of Eshet Ach should leave, and it does leave because of Yibum, Yibum overrides the prohibition of Eshet Ach, then that, uh, that other prohibition, which was hanging, would then will come fall and apply. And that's why the prohibition is not completely terminated, uh, but there, the prohibition is always there. So as long, the point is that as long as whenever there's one prohibition, another can apply on top of it. There's only space for one. And so if he violates, he'll only be chayav one korban chatat. Um, but if that, for whatever reason, that should be removed, then the other then comes in its place as a backup. And so that answers that question. Okay, now we have, that was a question against uh, Rabbi Shimon, and now a question to Rabbi Yoseh. What he just said here is that uh, it doesn't matter which, which order, uh, once they both are married, there are two prohibitions. And one prohibition can lie on top of another, and when he violates, he violates, is, is liable to both. Uh, so now this is, opens up a whole new sugya. Uh, which is a, a, a big topic that applies to lots of things, can one prohibition apply on top of another prohibition, right? Can you be liable twice for the same action? We have a baraita that has a machloket. The first opinion, Tanakama says, if one violates a prohibition that, uh, that deserves two death penalties, then the person gets whichever one is harsher. So this would say a prohibition does apply upon another prohibition. Because let's say, you know, he did one, and the one that applied first was the lesser type of uh, form of uh, death penalty, and then the higher form of death penalty. So if you say you always pick the harshest, well, we only can kill a person once, and so we're going to pick the harshest, whichever, no matter what order it falls in. So that opinion would say, would say, Isur does chal al Isur. But Abiyoseh says, no, we don't do that. We follow whatever happened first, right? Whatever uh, prohibition he was liable to first in terms of the uh, his relationship, uh, that's the that's the death penalty we give. Uh, here's we're going to give an example. Vetanya in this Braita. Ketzad. So this Baita is going to explain it. How can we have a case where the Biyoseh would say, we only give him one death penalty, whichever occurred first. Um, so it's as follows. If a person, he marries, um, he marries a woman, and the woman has a mother. Okay, but the mother is single. So uh, his, he has a mother-in-law, the mother-in-law is single. If he should uh, be together with his mother-in-law, so that's one prohibition, it's a of mother-in-law. 
And now let's say the mother-in-law, so by the way, the death penalty for being with the mother-in-law is serefa, which is the second highest form of death penalty. Now, what if he gets married to his wife, his mother-in-law is single, but then she marries. Right, what happened to the father? Whatever the original, his uh, father-in-law is divorced, or I had a picture, or died. She gets married, remarried to someone else, or to the husband, anyone. And so now there's a second prohibition. If he is together with his mother-in-law, that's mother-in-law and also eshet ish. But the prohibition for eshet ish is only chenek, lower form of punishment. So what's the law? Nidon b'chamoto. He gets serefa for the first prohibition, because whichever one applied first, that's it. Uh, so this actually everyone agree with, because it's also the most stringent one. But here is the nafkamina. Eshet ish v'naaset hamoto nidon be'eshet ish. If the mother-in-law was married, she's married the whole time especially at the time of the wedding of her daughter, right? So you have a couple, they have a daughter, and some guy comes, and uh, so at that point before the marriage, this man is prohibited to that mo his future mother-in-law because she is married, so that would be adultery. She is prohibited to everyone in the world. Then, so that comes first, eshet ish, uh, which is only chenek. Then when he marries the daughter, now and becomes mother-in-law now you have an added prohibition of mother-in-law also so in that case if he should be with his mother-in-law and who was also married and therefore adultery we only give him only because Biosef says the first one applies first and that's adultery and then the other one cannot come upon it and isur hal al isur so we see according to the Biosef we do not apply one prohibition one liability to another uh, but in the Braita we had above, Rebio says they have the opinion that we, he's liable to two counts, which means he thinks we do apply liability upon another. So how are we going to answer that? We're going to see two answers. And this one is, Even Rebio will agree in a case, the second prohibition increases the scope of the first. Uh, we're going to bring an example as follows. Tenach hecha de nasa chai v'achar kach nasa met. Migo de itosaf isur legabe achim, itosaf isur gabe legabe dide. When the brother who is going to live, right, back to our case of two brothers and two sisters, when he marries first, so Reuven marries Milka, and so now Hogla is prohibited to Reuven as his wife's sister. Okay, just one prohibition. Now, in this case, imagine that there's a few other brothers. Reuven, Shimon, Levi, Yehuda. Uh, so at this point, only Reuven is prohibited to Hogla. The other brothers are permitted to her, including Shimon. Shimon's not married yet. So Shimon, Levi, Yehuda, they could all take a sister. Only Reuven is prohibited to Hogla because of it's, his, it's his wife's sister. Now, Shimon then gets married. At the point that Shimon gets married, now she is prohibited to everyone because that is their brother's wife and so Reuven is now prohibited so Levi Yehuda who were permitted to Hogla before now are prohibited as a brother's wife so for Reuven also even though Reuven was already prohibited to Hogla and generally we would say en isur hal al isur even in the case of just two brothers but if there are other brothers um, then it would be in isur mosif it would in fact add more people 
uh, to the scope of the prohibition. And so because of that, this Isur Mosif is more expansive and can apply, and therefore Reuben will be prohibited to Hogla on two counts in this case. Uh, good. So even the, the point is that even the Biose agrees in Isur Mosif. Now here's the thing. That Isur Mosif only, appear, uh, only works in a case where uh, the Chai got married first, as we just said. In a case where the deceased uh, brother ma- married first. So in this case, this is a, um, Reuven is prohibited to her as his brother's wife. And so are any other brothers, right, would also be prohibited to Chogla as brother's wife. So she's already prohibited to all the brothers. When Reuven comes and takes Milka, so now the brothers are already prohibited. So this is not any more expanded scope. It doesn't add anything to other people. Chogla is not more prohibited to more people. And so in that case, we, we would not apply Isur Mosif. Uh, Reuven's uh, has an extra, uh, Reuven's extra, extra relation as wife-sister would not apply. And so this does not fully answer the question. Okay. So maybe I'll try to answer the question and say that in the case where the one who is going to die uh, is uh, married first. So you'll say there are more people who are prohibited because the uh, brother who marries second is prohibited to his wife's other sisters. In other words, like this, when Shimon marries first then all the brothers are prohibited to Chogla already as their brother's wife. Then, when Reuven marries Milka, or although it's true he was already prohibited to his brother's wife, and so it doesn't matter that's his wife's sister, but there is a difference. Beforehand, uh, before Reuven got married, Reuven was married, let's imagine Milka and Chogla had a few other sisters. Before he got married, Reuven was permitted to all the other sisters of Chogla. Once he marries Milka, he is prohibited to all those other sisters. So in this case, maybe I'll also say that when he, the second marriage uh, expands the uh, scope of his prohibition, and therefore it should also apply, and then he would, he would be liable on uh, two accounts if he should sleep with Hogla. Um, but this does not work. As you can see, there's a fundamental difference, right? In the first case, what we called Isur, Kolel, um, this is called, this one's called Isur Kolel. And the first one that's called Isur Mosif. Uh, the Mosif, the added scope, was upon Hogla, who is the object of the sin. Reuben is, is sinning with Hogla. So when he sleeps with her, um, at, the, at first uh, she is, in the first case, she is his wife's sister, and then is an added prohibition. That prohibition is added to her because there are many other people that also will be added to the prohibition against her as the object of the of their sin. So there it makes sense that the second prohibition is bigger, is wider, and will add it, will be attached and added upon the prohibition against Hogla when Uven uh, sleeps with Hogla is liable to two. In the case that we just said, where Ruven is Ruven is as uh, prohibited to more people, well who cares? What does it matter? He's not sleeping with those other people, right? He is the he is the sinner, not the object of the sin. And so we need the thing that he is the person he is sinning with 
um, that one has to has to apply more to that to her, not more to the subject who is performing the sin. And so that is called isur kolel. But this is actually a fantastic concept, isur mosif and isur kolel, uh, which will have ramifications in many other cases, like uh, when someone swears, uh, if someone takes a vow, I'm not going to eat this uh, loaf of bread, and then he says, I'm not going to eat any bread, right? So then the second vow does it apply to the first one or not? Well, it's more expansive and gets into lots of interesting and complex cases like that. All right, so now we did not answer the question because we did not find that uh, we rejected Rav Asher's explanation because Moisur Mosif does not apply to any case. So we're back to our question. Rabbi Yosef on the other Braita says that um, Isur is not Chal Al Isur in the case of the mother in law. And here in our Braita, regarding two ma- brothers married to two sisters, he says he is liable on two accounts. So why is that? Rava is saying, says, you're right, uh, from the other, other but, I taught, but I taught are correct. The Biyoseh does not think that Isur And when he said over here, when the two brothers married to two sisters, doesn't mean he's actually liable on two counts. If he did it by mistake, he would not be liable to two korban. Rather, it's, I ascribe to him as if he did it twice. But really, he would be liable only on one count. Okay, to support that, Rabbi Yochanan was reported to say, Same word. So we have Rava from Bavel, Rabbi Yochanan from Eretz Yisrael said the same thing. Now we ask, What does that mean? He's as if, right? Was, you know, you're as if, you owe me $100, but it's as if you owe me 200 Well, I don't owe you 200 so why? what practical difference would there, would there be? So the answer is the kobro ben reshaim gemurim. When uh, uh, sinners die, when someone is um, is let's get killed by a death penalty, uh, so they don't don't get buried in the same uh, place as everybody else. And in fact, there are different gradations within the cemetery for how bad what they did uh, is. If they got the highest form of, of capital punishment, they're not buried with the people that get the lowest form of capital punishment. And therefore, someone who makes a sin, who's liable on only one account, one count, is evil. But the person who makes a sin, who is like this, as if liable on two counts, is in more is even more evil and doesn't deserve to be buried in the same cemetery as the one uh, who violates even a death penalty that's only liable on one count. And that is the practical difference between them. We just proved that according to Rava's interpretation of Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Yosef does not agree with the rule of Isur Kolel. Uh, he would not say that uh, this uh, Isur uh, will apply to another Isur if it's an Isur Kolel. However, we're about to see that not nece- not everyone necessarily agrees with Rava, and it could in fact be that Ibi Yoseh would uh, agree with both of these principles. And we're going to see that in the following three cases. We're only going to learn the three cases today, but we'll see the application of whether this has to do with Isur Kolel tomorrow. We're going to end up rejecting it and giving other explanations for these three cases. Uh, but let's, we'll uh, see the three cases now. They're very interesting cases. And we'll give a simple explanation uh, for their, uh, why we have the rule that we do in each one. 
and then we'll see how it might, might apply to Isur Cholel tomorrow. So um, this matter of what Rabbi Yosef felt about Isur Cholel is in fact subject to Machloket. This word Biflukta is not found in all manuscripts. But in either case, Deitmar, so this might just be a new thing, right? Here's something about Isur Cholel. Deitmar, Zar Sheshimesh Beshabbat. Here's the case. A non-Kohen came and performed uh, avodah service in the Bet Mikdash on Shabbat. Now, of course, it, that is permitted for a Kohen. Kohen brings Korban Tamid, Korban Musaf on Shabbat. But now a non-Kohen does it. How many violations is he liable for? Rabbi Chia Omer Hayav Shetayim, two. Number one, because he's not, not a Kohen. Anytime, even on Wednesday, a non-Kohen comes into the Bet HaMikdash, performs a service, Hayav. And Shabbat, this is Melacha. He's doing slaughtering, burning. So this is two different counts. Bar Kapara Omer and Hayav Ela Echad. Bar Kapara says just one. And now, Kafas Rabbi Chia Venishba Havodah Kach Shemati Merebi. Shetayim. And so Rabbi Chia jumps up and swears, right? He swears by the service of the Bet HaMikdash. Like I guess appropriate because he's talking about a case of service in the Bet Hamikdash. He says, "I heard from Rabbi Yudanasi, my teacher, that one is liable for two in this case." Kavas bar kaparav nishma haaboda kachshamati midabi ahat, and so bar kaparav also jumps up and he swears by the temple service only. Oh, I heard from Rabbi only one. Okay, this is a problem. You don't really want to swear when you're making testimony about this because uh, one of these is uh, not swearing correctly unless it would be maybe changed his mind or said different things. Okay, either way, they're not only swearing by the tradition from Rabbi, they're also going to explain themselves. Shabbat Shabbat is prohibited to all. No one is allowed to do melacha on Shabbat. The only exception to violating Shabbat is in the Bet HaMikdash, and for that, only Kohanim are exempt. So they're going to argue with the scope of the exemption. Only Kohanim may perform uh, may perform melacha on Shabbat in the Bet HaMikdash. But non-Kohanim may not violate Shabbat in the Mikdash. So now we have two prohibitions. Yeshkan Mishum Zarut. Number one, they are performing, uh, this non-Kohan is performing service in the Bet HaMikdash, which would be liable any, liable any day of the week. And two, Yeshkan Mishum Shabbat. And second, the exemption of doing Melacha on Shabbat only applies to Kohanim. So whatever he's doing when he does some Shechita or uh, or burning something, then he is violating Shabbat as well. And there you go, that's two. Hitchil Bakapara Ladun, but Bar Kapara argues for his side. Shabbat Akol Nesra Uchshu Teraba Mikdash Hutera En Kan Ela Zarut. Bar Kapara says, Yes, it's true, I agree. Shabbat is prohibited for everybody in general, except for Avodah service. Anyone who does Avodah service is allowed to do it on Shabbat. So in other words, in the Bet HaMikdash itself, Shabbat is cancelled. Right? does not apply at all if you're preparing a Korban Tamid. There's no problem on Shabbat. So therefore, when a non-Kohen comes and he, he does a, 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 a Bet HaMikdash service, in the Bet HaMikdash, as long as he's doing it in the right procedure, he's not violating Shabbat. He's only violating that he's a non-Kohen and kan el zarut. So they're arguing about actually is the, we know that Avodah uh, 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 overrides Shabbat. The question is that exception, how great is it? Is the exception only applied to Kohanim or does the exemption apply to everyone? All right.
That's case number one. Ba, case number two. Ba'amum she'shimesh betum'ah. Now it's a Kohen, not a Zad. A Kohen who has two problems. He has a blemish and he also is Tameh. Each of these on their own would make the Kohen prohibited from doing Avodah. And now he has both. Rabbi Chiyah Omer, Hayav Shetayim. That makes sense. He has two problems. Bar Kapada Omer and Hayav Ela Achad. Bar Kapada says only one. Uh, the reason only one here, it was we're actually talking about a case where all the Kohanim are Tameh. And that's a law. We saw that in Masechet Pesachim many times. That if everyone, if all the Kohanim are Tameim, then they are allowed to perform the Avodah even while they're Tameh. Because no one around who could do it otherwise. So now we're going to question the scope of that exemption. So both of these sages uh, jump up and swear that Rabbi Udanasi said their, like their opinion. And now they give their reasoning. And he argues that everyone, anyone who's Tameh is prohibited from performing in the Beta Mikdash. Um, but there is an exception, and that is when everyone is Tameh. When that exception applies, it applies only to Kohanim who have no blemish. They are exempt and they can perform and uh, while they are Tameh. But Kohanim, Kohanim Timimim Mutra, only for them and not for a blemish, a blemish Kohen, since he can't perform the bet, uh, service anyway, the exemption of Tumah does not apply to him. And therefore, uh, we have two prohibitions. Yeshkan Mishum Ba'alei Mumin. Number one, this guy is has a blemish. Yeshkan Mishum Tumah, and he's also Tameh. Even though other Kohanim who have no blemish are okay, and they're going Bet HaMikdash, and they are, uh, they are exempt. Right? The exemption applies only to the Timimim, does not apply to the Ba'amumim, and there he goes too. Only one. Why? Because once everyone, all the Kohanim are Tameh, so therefore the exemption applies to all Kohanim. Right, generally all Kohanim are Asur are Asur. When if when the exemption applies when most of them when everyone is Tameh, it applies uh to all Kohanim, and therefore this Ba'amum, he has no problem that he's Tameh, that Tuma was uh was overridden. And he only has one prohibition that he is a Ba'amum. Okay, case number three. Zar She'achal Melika. Melika is a special way that we, uh, the Kohanim, would slaughter a bird in the Bet HaMikdash that was a Korban. It's not slaughtered with a knife in the usual way, but rather the Kohen had a long nail and he would press the nail into the back of the bird's neck. A uh, very uh, uh, special way of doing it. Now, this, this Korban of a bird can be eaten by Kohanim. Uh, that's fine. Now, what if a non-Kohen comes and he eats this bird that was a sacrificial bird? He has two problems. Number one, this is sacrificial meat. Any sacrificial meat uh, that's that's Kodesh Kodashim has to be and only be caught by Kohanim, cannot be eaten by non-Kohanim. That's one. Two is that because this bird well, did not get ritual slaughter, regular shechita, but rather this unusual way, so it is also a nevela. 
It's a nevela for non-kohanim because they are not eating it as a sacrifice. So now the this this law is an exemption, right? You could do milikan generals and nevela, except unless it's a korban, then it's uh, then it's okay. So again, what's the scope of the exemption? Rabbi Chaya Omer Hayav Shetayim Bar Kapara Omer and Hayav Ela Achat. Rabbi against says two, Bar Kapara says one. They're consistent. Kafas Rabbi Chaya Vinishba Avoda Kach Shemati Mir Rabbi Shetayim Kafas Bar Kapara Vinishba Avoda Kach Shemati Mir Rabbi Achat. Right, same play. They both swear in the name of Rabbi Yehuda Nasi uh, that they're in their opinion, and now they explain it. Hitchil Rabbi Chaya Ladu Nevela La Kol Neesra. Generally, a nevela, and this bird is did not get ritual slaughter. So uh, this bird is a technically a nevela, and so it's prohibited for ever, for anyone. If someone would go do milika on a bird uh, outside the Bet Hamikdash, it would be prohibited as a nevela. There is an exception. The exception is in the Bet Hamikdash, but in the Bet Hamikdash, it's only permitted for kohanim to eat it because uh, they are permitted to eat it. So the exemption is small. Um, only for them and not for non-kohanim. And so now with this non-kohan who comes into comes and eats from this bird, we have two problems. Number one, he's not a kohan and he's eating sacrificial meat. Any sacrificial meat, no good. And he's eating a bird that did not get ritual slaughter and therefore it's nevela because the exemption uh, of nevela for melika only applies to kohanim. He's not a kohen. That's two. Hitzchil ba kapara ladun nevela la konesra keshu tera ba mikdash utera and kan ela mishum zarut ba kapara says as follows nevela is prohibited to everyone. Anyone who eats such a bird outside the bet mikdash would would be uh, violate nevela. But in the Bet HaMikdash, if it is in fact a Qurban, and this was prepared uh, uh, in the right way, uh, so this is Milika of a Qurban, and that exemption is wide. Anyone who eats that does, uh, does not violate Nevela, no matter who it is. So that's permitted. So therefore, we are left with only one prohibition, the fact that he is not a Kohen, and he's eating sacrificial meat. So there you go. It's only one prohibition, according to Bar Kapara. And the next stuff, we're going to analyze these three cases to see what exactly, what principle is behind their, their, their machloket in each of the three cases. We're going to attach it to what we came before regarding Isur Kolel, reject that, and then offer other possibilities. Baruch Adonai. Amen, amen.